Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Underground. This is a supplemental update to the recent homeland threats that the United States and Canada have been experiencing with regards to aircraft incursions. Right up front, I want to say that there's not a whole lot of information, so we're just going to have to go with what we've got, which is not much. Just as a brief side note before we get going, uh, I here am trying to be a little bit more organized with regards to tracking these things because I think this is going to be a much more prolonged series of persistent incidents. Uh, so I want to make sure that we are tracking things and using appropriate terminology for covering these kinds of incidents. So we're going to be using Bandit as the designation for a hostile aircraft, in this case a hostile balloon. We're going to be using MIL-2525 standard uh, graphics to depict those on the slides as well. And we're going to be using the term bogey to describe aircraft uh, aerial platforms that are unidentified. So as of right now, uh, many of you are aware that Bandit 1, the first balloon, the balloon that transited the entirety of the United States, uh, pretty much, uh, as well as parts of Canada, that bandit was splashed on February 4th. Uh, it was kinetically engaged off the coast of South Carolina near Myrtle Beach. So that one has been destroyed and recovery efforts are ongoing. We just learned last night that the DOD secretly engaged an additional hostile object uh, just off the northern coast of Alaska near Prado Bay. This aircraft we do not know much about. We do know that it was flying at a lower altitude, thus the immediate engagement by the DOD, or it, what seems to be immediate uh, engagement by the DOD. Uh, it was flying at reportedly 40,000 feet, which is a clear and present danger to civilian aircraft. Again, not much is known about this particular craft. We're going to call it an object because that's exactly what the DoD has called it. It appears to be a significantly different construction to the one that we saw fly over the continental United States, so we don't really know much about it. No photographs have emerged. We don't have any pictures of the wreckage. Uh, we do know what the DoD has stated, which is that they engaged the aircraft again uh, with F-22s, shot it down, and the wreckage uh, landed in U.S. territorial waters. Uh, up there this time of year, those territorial waters are actually frozen solid, so it, you know, landed on, you know, ice. So some CH-47s went out there and recovered the debris. This is all according to the DoD. Additionally, in a somewhat related uh, incident, uh, I wanted to kind of mention this as well because it's kind of fits the theme here. Uh, there was a hostile satellite, uh, I'm going to call it a green beam incident, uh, in which a Chinese, well, suspected Chinese satellite was observed to be beaming the ground with uh, green lasers uh, just off of Hawaii. Now, I want to stress that this is a different incident, but it kind of fits the same flavor. I don't think it's the same, it's not the same situation, so let me explain a little bit a little bit more clearly. Many satellites orbiting the Earth from many different nations use lasers uh, as a way of gathering scientific data, uh, topographic data, you know, geologic data, weather stuff, you know, lasers can be used on satellites for a variety of tasks. The difference is that normally, with regards to American or European satellites, uh, we don't normally use visible lasers because we want to make sure that you know our space pollution right is is not exactly uh, visible right. We don't want people to be looking up and get beamed with a laser. Um, it's not exactly a, a threat, you know, like a health threat or anything like that. But it's just something that you don't want the public to be unnerved about when they look up into the sky and see you know a gigantic you know space laser. You know, we don't really want people to panic with regards to things like that. NASA uses lasers all the time, and nobody ever sees them because they're in infrared lasers or, you know, they're different kinds of frequencies, things like that. So uh, China, however, doesn't seem to care too much about that sort of thing. So they used visible green lasers uh, as part of what appears to be a scientific satellite. Now, again, this is China. So, you know, scientific satellites, a communist nation, 
the there's no real private industry there you know any scientific instrument from a you know communist nation that's just how it works is that it's going to have some kind of military application as well so again the incident that was observed by photographers and people on the ground in Hawaii uh, this occurred on January the 28th but it's become recently kind of revealed that the world powers uh, have kind of figured out that it was China uh, everybody's kind of gone around and tried to figure out who's causing this kind of situation so uh, because it kind of unnerved a lot of people on the ground, as one might expect. But basically, the world powers, you know, the, the you know the, the space powers that be, have kind of agreed that it was probably a Chinese satellite. So again, this is not nearly as bad of an incident as the you know airspace incursions. But I did want to point it out because I think that China conducted this incident not as part of any scientific experiment, but be, but as a way to poke and prod and escalate the situation in the United States even more. Uh, I think that this was a purely escalatory uh, thing that was done to let the United States know that Hawaii, one of our traditionally vulnerable uh, states, is still very much vulnerable. So again, China has very strong ideations and uh, you know aspirations for the South China Sea and for the entire Pacific at large. And the, I think this was their way of letting us know that they've got eyes on Hawaii as well. But so again, this incident is very much separate from the airspace incursions that we've experienced. But I did want to cover this because it is relevant uh, to the uh, Chinese hostilities that have kind of broken out. <laughs> I also want to mention that these are not the only two incidents uh, that have have occurred. We have spotted, or at least uh, people down in uh, Latin America, have observed at least one other balloon of a slightly different configuration as the one that transited the United States. So this is not over by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the DoD has casually mentioned that uh, these balloons and other reconnaissance aircraft have been spotted on five continents so far. So uh, this is clearly a global uh, incident. And again, the DoD is not really being forthcoming with a lot of these details. I hate to keep ragging on the DoD uh, with regards to how little information has gotten out regarding these incidents, but really it's been super frustrating, as I'm sure it's been super frustrating for a lot of people around the world, when the agency that's supposed to be responsible for defending North American airspace is being kind of, you know, aloof with regards to this. They're kind of brushing things off. They're casually mentioning things. There's really no, like, serious Schwarzkopf kind of interview that's gone on with this so far. It's all been like casual press conferences like this is a simple incident. It is most certainly not a simple incident. So I think I'll kind of end things there with regards to the details that we know because we just don't know hardly anything at all. We know that there are multiple balloons. Two have been confirmed to be shot down as of right now. One was definitely a balloon. The other one may have been some other kind of craft. We don't know. We do know that the construction of the other aircraft that was shot down is significantly different than the one that was shot down off the coast of South Carolina. Additionally, we also know that there was at least one other balloon in Latin America, but again, details on all of this stuff is sketchy. Canada has repeatedly mentioned that they have picked up uh, possible objects, but it's like we never hear from it again. We don't. <laughs> there's no follow-up uh, with regards to a lot of these sightings. Same thing with the the aircraft down in Latin America. There's really been no follow-up uh, with regards to what happened to these different uh, platforms that we're seeing around the globe. 
Now with all of the current details kind of out of the way, I wanted to briefly mention again and go into a little bit more detail as to why I think this is super, super important to be aware of and to don't get sucked into the mentality of thinking, oh, we're shooting these things down now, so there's no there's no problem, right? No, that's, that's wrong. This is a, a very significant incident. The biggest problem I'm seeing so far, uh, besides the obvious airspace violations, is the fact that the DoD has maintained a hostile attitude towards anybody who wants to know inf more information about airspace incursions in North America. They're trying to act like you shouldn't even be asking the question as to what's going on with these things. They're being very aloof. They're turning the cold shoulder towards every journalist asking questions about this sort of thing, and it's very frustrating. This is a very big problem because I'm seeing a dynamic emerging. It's almost as if, imagine for a moment that a country, say Russia, were to, oh, I don't know, invade another country like Ukraine. And imagine if the U.S. government were to cover it up and be extremely evasive at answering questions about it and just generally act like that invasion never happened, right? As we all know, this did not happen. The significance of an actual direct threat to the American homeland is palpable. Russia invades Ukraine, a nation halfway around the planet, and we send hundreds of billions of dollars worth of aid, and yet our direct American homeland airspace gets violated by another nation, and we're supposed to act like it never happened? You know, this is crazy. This is insane. And there's no other way to put it. Again, I don't like to be alarmist, but this is a huge milestone in history. The last time the United States shot down a hostile aircraft over American soil, the United States entered World War II the next day. Let me say that again. The last time that the United States shot down hostile aircraft over American soil was on December 7, 1941, when U.S. sailors, soldiers, and Marines engaged Japanese aircraft as they attacked Pearl Harbor on that fateful Sunday morning. And you could argue that that wasn't even American soil because at the time of the Pearl Harbor attack, Hawaii was a territory, not a state. So technically, the United States has never shot down a confirmed hostile aircraft over American soil prior to last week. And now, we have shot down two aircraft. One balloon and one other mystery platform. And the entire U.S. government response has been to ignore this. I'm sorry, but I just can't ignore this. Again, I'm still trying to process what this means because, again, we are at a huge milestone in history. And I don't really know exactly how... To feel about this whole situation, but I can tell you that it's not good, and anyone who reads a history book can tell you that this is a very serious, very serious thing. I'm very interested in quite a few different aspects of this whole incident, such as, for one, why is the DoD military-industrial complex not getting spun up over this? It's almost like we're trying to ignore this, right? We, we got in completely spun up over Ukraine, and yet, we're not doing anything to defend our own American airspace, right? There are many theories as to why this is occurring. Uh, one can argue that this is, incident is, is so, so recent and so um, shocking for the defense industry that, that China would be this bold, uh, that they haven't had time to spin up their military contracts and uh, spend, you know, billions more of our tax dollars on, you know, North American airspace defense. So, I'm sure that's coming down the line. I guarantee you we're going to start seeing some more contracts for 
uh, military hardware to be sold that may or may not work for uh, engaging these kinds of platforms. But So I just want to make it com completely clear that I am aware of the uh, military-industrial complex implications that an incident like this has. It's going to be really good for business for Raytheon and Lockheed, these balloon sightings, uh, because those missiles are very expensive, and I'm sure the DoD would like to buy an awful lot of them. Again, don't think I'm naive in that regard. I'm naive in many regards, but not that one. On the other hand, you can't just sit there and say, oh, this is just an attempt by the military to buy more missiles or further the military-industrial complex. No, we kind of we kind of uh, move out of that you know space uh, when we have aircraft flying over American soil. Like there, there's a clear distinction there where we start getting out of ideology and we get out of uh, budgetary meetings and congressional subcommittees and we and we get into you know Dory Miller mode, if you know what I mean. Um, and I'm still most certainly in Dory Miller mode, um, if you if you know what I'm trying to say. So so yeah, and this whole thing is made worse by the fact that our military and our government is trying to hide this incident from us. And we have clear and present dangers to the American populace now with regards to these aircraft. And I'm looking ahead. I'm looking forward past the cameras and past the radio antennas and past the SIGINT collection on American soil. And I'm looking towards some other stuff. One of the things that I have kind of started getting a little bit more involved in is re-examining our uh, CBRN procedures, uh, looking more into the classic civil defense stuff and kind of preparing for a more, uh, I hate to say kinetic attack, but a more direct threat to American soil besides just reconnaissance. Let me just speak plainly for a moment. I'm concerned that those balloons are dropping things. I'm concerned that these platforms are not just taking pictures and, and sniffing uh, signals. I'm concerned that these platforms may be aerial dropping things or spraying things uh, into the atmosphere. Since the DOD has not brought forth any details whatsoever, we, the American citizenry, have to prepare for that eventuality. Again, I don't want to be alarmist, but look, man, if we're, if we're looking at balloons flying over American soil, hostile aircraft, and we don't know what that is, and the DOD won't tell us what that is, we have to assume that they have the capability of aerial uh, dispersion of something. Now, again, the U.S. military uh, was monitoring, at least the one that transited the majority of the United States. But I have a sneaking suspicion through some OSINT methods and through my own intense observation of this platform, uh, that balloon was not watched the entire way. Uh, there were not eyes on it the entire way from what I can see. Now, granted, there's a lot of spooky stuff going on in throughout the country, and I find it very, very hard to believe that the agencies that run the United States government uh, can surveil what you post on Facebook, but they can't seem to surveil the foreign asset over American soil. So uh, I don't think for one minute that this balloon was not surveilled, but it does appear that there were times when there was not anything watching this uh, balloon, at least from an aerial platform uh, perspective. Now, granted, for a lot of the, this balloon's journey through the United States, it was being watched. And I am sure that it was being watched uh, specifically to make sure that it did not drop anything, any mysterious munition or, or something. However, I would like to point out that despite what the briefings that generals are told and despite the hot wash after missions, any pilot that tells me that they can see a test tube sized object being dropped from that thing is a liar. Uh, there is no way whatsoever, not visually, nor with radar, nor with anything, that we could see something that small 
being dropped from that far up. At best, we might get a clue from the wreckage. If the Navy boys go out there and get the wreckage of the balloon that we shot down, and there is basically a miniature Sono Boy launcher on board with a bunch of empty tubes, uh, the pucker factor gets dialed up to 11 at that point. And since, again, the DoD has openly lied at every single step of this incident, we average citizens have to plan for this uncertainty. Since I myself do not know for sure that this balloon did not drop anything, I have to assume that it might have. And I 10,000% have to assume that the next balloons might as well. So again, CBRN defense has suddenly become a relevant topic again for the average citizen. Not just with the recent industrial accidents that local governments have tried to cover up, but simply due to the fact that we now live in a country in which our airspace defense is questionable, and our defense officials are openly hostile towards the American people. So as difficult as this is, we really have to start re-examining our CBRN preparedness. Not just the classic stuff of, you know, preparing for a global nuclear war. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about more, more realistic stuff. You know, I, I hate playing the what-if game, but what if one of these balloons, or what I think is coming next, an actual fixed-wing asset, what if one of these things drops a water balloon filled with anthrax over an American city? You know, what if we happen to have a blight break out in the Midwest? suspiciously a couple of weeks after the balloon flies overhead. These what-if questions are perfectly relevant right now, and the American and Canadian public are due some answers. Answers which we are not going to get. I know that this seems to be like a very random concern, but this is exactly what my first thought was when this balloon appeared overhead is, alright, it's most likely uh, taking pictures and sniffing for radio signals, but what if? What if it's not? What if this is a dry run for either a nuclear attack or uh, some kind of biological attack or chemical attack? We don't know. And since we don't know, we have to assume that these possibilities you know, might be more realistic than, than what we previously thought. Again, I am having a very, very hard time with trying to balance the concerns I have with the realistic situation and, you know, what I previously have, have thought about things, and I'm not doing a super great job of it. So I understand if, if people, again, do not agree with the seriousness that which of which I, I place on this. I, I know that a lot of people are just not going to think this is a big deal, uh, and nothing that I say will convince them otherwise. Uh, I understand that, you know, Super Bowl's coming up, and people are kind of in a Super Bowl mentality. It's almost like the entire American public has forgotten the fact that we've had to shoot down two hostile aircraft over American soil uh, because the Super Bowl's coming up, and, you know... Uh, bread and circus and all that kind of stuff. So again, I, I really am having a hard time conveying the seriousness of this while at the same time trying not to freak out too much. So yeah, I'm not going to urge everyone out there to stay at, you know, pucker factor 9.5, you know, indefinitely because we have these airspace incursions. I understand that as time goes on and a few days, you know, a few days of news occurs and we don't hear anything about a balloon, uh, people are just going to kind of forget and, and fall back into their, their natural way of living. But on the other hand, you know, we can't stay pegged out, you know, 99% of the time, even if that's probably what we should be doing. Uh, we can't stay, you know, at a, at a heightened state of alert 24-7. So I guess really these, these incidents are pointing us to a, a larger lesson, which is to be prepared for this to become a persistent thing. Be prepared for uh, more serious incidents, um, not just from balloons, but from other uh, aircraft, uh, potentially to include manned aircraft at some point. So just be prepared for that and start uh, looking at what this means for you and uh, for your family moving forward.
These days, it is really, really easy to get caught up in the doom and gloom of what's going on in the world, and I myself have, have fallen victim to this, you know, quite a lot, uh, to be honest. But I, I do find a lot of solace in sticking with a, a goal and moving towards it. So now you have a lot of goals to work off of. Now you have a lot of skills that you can learn. You've got a lot of things that you can do, and all of this helps you move in the right direction. We cannot afford to stick our heads in the sand and ignore a problem because it's too scary to talk about anymore. But at the same time, we don't want to to slip into a very a very um, self-destructive pattern, right? So we don't want to get stuck into a mindset that's not going to help us out, and we're just going to get burned out. So again, this is basically a huge lesson of learning how to not get burned out with these kinds of incidents and uh, start learning how to to be a little a lot more effective during these stressful kinds of situations because I, I certainly don't think uh, that we've seen the end of incidents like this. If it's not one thing, it's another. So again, we'll keep an eye out for a lot of these uh, different kinds of uh, incidents that may occur throughout the United States and around the world. Uh, right now, I'm working on a lot of different projects myself that will kind of help us, you know, with, with automating a lot of this. Uh, stuff. So stay tuned for that as we get a little bit more proficient with some of those platforms and tools and things. And in the meantime, use this as an opportunity to learn and grow and, and do good stuff, right? So so thank you again for watching. Thank you for all of your support over the years. And keep your head on a swivel and stay frosty. And we'll see you next time. And as always, fight in the shade.